We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Golden Bearcast is presented by Bet Online. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Bearcast. We are back. It's the usual crew. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rob. I'm with my other co-host, Andy. We're recording this remotely. Uh, both of us have a cough. I don't know what that means. Um, but Andy, how are you doing in this uh, in this new in this new world order? Both of us are dying, and that's no, it. no, no. Let's not overreact. <laughs> Let's not overreact. I think you're the one that's that's a lot more sick. I just have a cough, like a <clears throat> cough, which I've had for forever. But you, that's a different story. But yes, continue. How is life in the quarantine zone? Oh, I hate it. I have having such such a hard problem with it. You took away my sports and my outdoor activities. Uh, this is a t- this is a tough time in the Johnson household. Things are great because I am lucky to have my amazing partner wife here, Diana, but boy, is this a challenge to stay inside. I am having a real hard time with it. This morning I woke up and I was like, we got to be close to the end. And then I, I read today it was like we're not even close to the end. Like, okay, got to re- readjust that mindset one more time. So, how are you doing? I'm I'm as, I'm as good as you can think of it. I mean, I I saw this coming because you know, of course, as as you know, and some other people know, like I grew up in South Korea. I still have family in South Korea, and I saw what happened there, and I said that's coming here, but it's going to be a lot worse here. Like, we're not prepping for this thing whatsoever. And then last Tuesday came around. With the Rudy Gobert stuff, and then, and then literally we slept Tuesday night to the Rudy Gobert news, and then Wednesday morning the entire world had changed. Like, I want to know your I because we didn't talk about this, but I wanted to know like, what was your like timeline like between Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday ish of like, the Rudy Gobert stuff basically was like the big trigger in terms of how things started getting handled here in the in the states. But for your, like, line of work and how that transition went from, like, Tuesday to, like, the end of the week? Well, for me, it was particularly interesting because I had, like, the world's busiest schedule leading up into that point. So I was flying to Colorado and was in Vail um, at the Burton U.S. Open. And then I flew back a day early to go to an all-week-long conference in San Francisco and people had started to drop out of the conference, but it still wasn't really like this big news story yet. And then we had the conference, and um, it was great. And then I flew to Phoenix and went to a music festival. This is like, what's the 19th? That was 10 days ago I was at a music festival, and it feels like a year ago. So like, I get back from a music festival. I go in the office on Tuesday because one of our someone from Argentina was in town and so I was like in the office on Tuesday and but we had already been told to work from home so so I mean I was like all over the place and 
and then it was sort of like Wednesday was the real hit. I mean, the Rudy Gobert stuff, I was like, what an idiot, you know? So that's just my reaction. I was like, what an idiot, like, you know, so stu- not taking it seriously. But I don't even think, to, to be fair, like, I was taking it to the degree that um, maybe we should have been. So then Wednesday on, I've been sort of in this balance like we didn't really know we we're like can we go to spin class we're trying to get outside trying to go on hikes with our dog you know like trying to still re- remain remain balanced and then uh i think since sunday it's been super locked down so yeah that, that's my timeline i mean it, it couldn't have been a busier time in my life to one of just like being at home i, I think that transition has been tough yeah i mean because you're such an outdoorsy guy and you need to be like doing things. So this is like the exact opposite of what you need. Or at the very least, you need to be watching sports. But there's none of that too. But <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's, it's a weird place. Double whammy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it has to go to note too that like for from the two of us, like we've been talking about this all week. We've been chatting about this and texting about this all week. Like the first thing foremost is support your local like small businesses i think that's like the place that gets hit the hardest in a time like this um particularly even more so like any of the asian restaurants that are in your area i know have been hit hard um so please like go out and support um you don't have to go out but a lot of places are doing takeout or orders um like phone-in orders or delivery so you know try to utilize that to to the best of your abilities uh you know during this time and I think that kind of helps just diversify the food that you're eating at home a little bit. And, you know, maybe that helps give you a little bit of a, a hop in your step as you go around doing work around the house. But, you know. Yeah. And we had a close friend of ours that opened up a you know, brew pub in San Francisco, pop up, doing amazing. And then this hits and it's just so brutal. And I think they're still doing to-go orders at Doke Beer. So if anyone's are. in the city, um, you know, that. Is you know wants to support a good local business. That's one that's really close and personal to this to both of us. So uh, that would be great. Yeah, I believe they're going to be on Uber Eats soon. So if you live in the city and you're an Uber Eats guy, make sure to make or sure gal to, or gal to use that. Order it. Uh, but I think we should. I think you know going off of that, like we'll talk about it for a little bit. Like, what do you think the you know the impact on this? on sports long term will be like i've been i've been thinking about this like for so long with how many sports are now in sus- like suspended uh, like i guess i just wanted to to get your thoughts on what do you think like this after effect of this current you know situation will be you know when we look at it six to eight months from now well um, you know, I'm an optimist, so I think this is a one is it's interesting that the Olympics are still um, are still not canceled yet, not postponed. Yeah, yep. uh, I'm sure they will be, but I think this is an opportunity for the sports that are lagging behind right now, like the sports that are out of the spotlight when there is no spotlight, like the NHL and the MLB and the MLS to think about different ways of doing things because you have all this time off. Like no one was ever going to give you months on end to just do think strategy. How can we evolve our sport? How can we do things differently and make these changes now? Because they'll, they'll never, I mean, hopefully there's never a time again like this. So that's what I hope. And like I would think the same thing for the NCAA. What what better time to figure out the playoff than now when you don't have all those other things going on? This is the time. Go figure it out. You'll never have this amount of time. So like same thing with like paying the players, all that stuff. Dude, everyone's got the time to handle it. Like I would just be massively on top of this this time and all of those ideas and trying to think ahead um because i think you know to some degree you know, i don't know how much the league office is really doing like i don't think anybody knows far enough ahead to like really plan so like 
they're going to be more reaction, re reactionary to, I, I would be more reactionary to what's happening and use this time to be more proactive on what isn't. So that's what I hope happens. It's very optimistic. It probably won't happen at all, but that's what I would do. <clears throat> In terms of collegiate sports, like you saw the NCAA announced like the spring athletes will most likely get a year, another year of eligibility. Um, but like, you know, outside of football, like in terms of just college sports as a whole, like, do you have any things that you would want maybe adjusted or even like started considering like during this off season? I guess you did talk about it with like the, the finances and maybe playing the players, but were there any other things that you were thinking of? You know, I haven't thought about it that much, but I would throw the question back to you. Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I think the one cool part about this, and you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it until you just said it. Um, but like, when are you ever going to get a time off like this? Like, when, when is every single sport not playing or practicing? Like, this is, this is, this is unheard of. Like, players that. All schools have like suspended practice and, and no games. So you have this time to basically sit down for at least the next two, three months to go over all of the rules, all of the, the postseason like, you know, tournaments. Like you have you can sit down and run through every single sport and revamp any rule changes, any postseason changes, any like practicing like restrictions. You can go through all of that. Do I think they'll go through it? No. But it seems like the perfect opportune time to go through it um, and maybe lift some of those old standing laws that don't apply to you know college sports as it is now and maybe make some more restrictions on stuff that do affect college sports now. So, yeah, this is... It's really interesting, and I'm very curious, and, I, and I'm considering doing a, a written piece on this, but for, of course, our new site, right, for California.com, hashtag shameless plug. Uh, but, like, just looking at this, starting writing a piece, like, maybe six to, you know, ten months from now, like, looking back and seeing if this time, like, that we've had has impacted it either negatively or positively, Another article that, you know, some people asked me to look into was, like, what's the psychological, like, impact of this type of event on athletes with whose careers just ended abruptly? Yeah. Right? Like, the guys that are in, you know, spring sports that are seniors, I mean, maybe they'll get that extra year. But I think the big key on this right now is a lot of those basketball players that their season ends, this is probably the pinnacle of their, like, competitive athletic career and they don't you know get a chance to, to compete in the ncaa tournament or you know or the nit or any of those postseason tournaments or even like the pac-12 tournament and so on like we didn't even get to see the end of that you know um and what's the like what's the psychological impact on it because you know if you if you have to forfeit your career due to injury i think you could come to terms with that right but, like, something like this is, like, beyond your control. Like, way, way, way beyond your control. Um, to the point that you... It's going to be super tough to come to terms that this is how my career ended. Like, I didn't get that one extra game to, like... I didn't get that, like, moment where I can look back and say, hey, I gave it my all. Like, because clearly you didn't get that moment to give it your all. Like, because this the season just ended literally overnight. Um, and I wonder what like how players men's and women's like how they cope with that right how do athletes cope with the fact that you never got the, like the the biggest like question i have is like sabrina ionescu like she came back and her whole reason for coming back was to win a, a national championship with oregon right and before you even got a chance to step onto the court to to challenge for that your collegiate career ended yeah. Like, uh, how do you come to terms with that from an athlete standpoint? And it's so intriguing, like to to think about that a few few months from now on how players came to terms with it. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I, I imagine it's re it's really tough, uh, especially because you know, like the NCAA offering the additional years, like 
I don't know. Once something like this happens and you have a chance of going to the next level, are you going to sit around and wait again? I, I, I doubt it. My guess is some players will be really good at coming to terms with it and others will have a lot you know, of a harder time. It's easier, easier for me to sit here as a 31-year-old and apply a therapy-type approach to it and say, you know, don't let your mind go there and yeah. look at all the positives and maybe you didn't get injured and an injury was about to happen and now you get to rest and other good thing. You know, you're a college student, so your career, if you're not going into the next level, is really just starting. So you'll have other moments that'll be bigger than this one and will vastly surpass it, like getting married or having a kid or making friends or who knows, like whatever, like whatever you want to do. <clears throat> but that's my old man approach. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. I can't imagine. It's easy easy to be a far away from it, but when you're going through it, it's got to be really challenging. Yeah, and I guess to build off of that, the I think the last point that we would that I would want to kind of talk about with this pandemic and this situation is like just the the bigger picture, right? Like, what impact is this going to have on lives and like just us as human beings, like beyond the sports, in you know eight months. Six months, eight months, a year time. Like, do you think anything's going to have changed? Like, by the time you know March twenty twenty one comes around, or are we going to be sitting here talking about spring football twenty twenty one? Dude, I've, I have no idea. I was thinking about it today. I was like, are they going to start calling it BC like before <laughs> coronavirus? <laughs> so I don't know. I think the coolest part about this, and let me give my, my sunshine pumping like optimistic version of this is, I don't know, have you seen those videos of like Venice? Mm-mm. So apparently because of everything on lockdown, like the waters of Venice have become clearer and cleaner. So, you know, you could see the fish in the water. Dolphins are coming back. Swans are coming back. Uh, like... The air quality index of like the city of Los Angeles is like one of the lowest it's ever, or one of the like the nicest it's ever been. Um, you could like see the you can see the stars and stuff in China because they're not producing enough, or they're not their carbon emissions has dropped significantly due to this. Like it's crazy, like seeing all those things, and you know, like let's say this lasts for you know two or three months. Like I'm curious to know the the environmental like studies done on this like with a two three month span of like all these things shutting down like less cars on the streets less emissions like what that does for the environment in the long term like this really feels like a a reset moment for like the environment um and i'm curious to know like we did this for three months like how did it impact us in the long term and it let's say we were to do this for a year like, what would the lasting impact on our environment and the world be? Like, it's it's very interesting. Um, and it gives, I think, environmental sci- scientists especially a lot of things to work with, like moving in the future and how to, like, you know, give more basis to, you know, governments and people in general to be like, hey, like, we saw this do good work over, you know, an X amount of months. Imagine if we did that over, you know, X amount of years. It's the test you could never run. Yeah. So, like, in a sense, like, you you could always say it, like, hey, let's try to shut down everything and see what happens. And people would be like, that's ridiculous. We could never do that. Well, now we're doing it. So, yeah, I think you just get this tremendous amount of data. And I have a feeling it's going to show that this is really positive for the environment, really negative for Andy's mental health, but very good for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I do hope that some of the learnings that come out of this are, they'll probably have a massive impact. Uh, I would hope. Yeah. I guess that leads us to a pretty perfect time for our word from our sponsors. All right, folks, right in line with our conversation. 
With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts, which I didn't know was still happening. And esports, which I watch sometimes, is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol. Don't watch that. The elections, I don't know if they're going to happen. Spelling Bee, not sure if that's going to happen. Or Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which I'm quite positive that won't happen. But maybe it will. And if you want to bet on it, you can. So be sure to use your promo code BLUEWIRE to receive 50% of your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. And with that, we're back to the next part of our podcast where we talk about the fun stuff. Football! Yeah, everyone's going to be like, was this a Cal podcast or just Rob and Andy talking about life? Uh, you know, we've gotten loose with the scripts lately. Yeah, I mean... I mean, bear with us. If any, I mean, if you're listening to this, honestly, if you're listening to this, one, you're either bored out of your mind, <laughs> or two, you know that we're not going to have much to talk about, and we're going to be like just, just ringing out every ounce of content that we can possibly talk about, and that means talking about life and random crap that Andy and I want to talk about. So. <laughs> You're you're stuck with us. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think there's any other way to say it. Like you're just you're stuck with me and Andy. And you know, if you're listening to this, so hope that gives you a little chuckle to know that uh, we know that you're listening to this because you're either out, running out of podcasts or this is the only <laughs> podcast you listen to. <laughs> um, so let's start with football recruiting. Man, holy crap! Like you and I haven't potted in a while. But, lordy, like, football recruiting has absolutely just taken off. And before we go into, like, the, the three main guys we want to talk about, like, from, from your perspective, because I've been at spring football, like, I've interacted with some of the coaches, especially the new ones, like, what were your thoughts, like, looking at just what they've been saying, how they've been recruiting, um, and just, like, your overall thoughts from being a third, like, person, like, out there? What are my thoughts on the recruiting from just like how it's changed? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's night and day, I, but, but I feel like the, the big wins for Cal football right now are because of, it's like so, saying that it's Cal football right now that's having the impact. It's like, it, oh no, I can't go there. It's way too political. Anyways, <laughs> it's all of the work that Wilcox and co did at the beginning of his tenure. So it's like when they came and the first place, you know, first thing Wilcox did after the presser was he immediately went out and visited like Monta Vista. Like that is now paying dividends. And the kid that we got from Monta Vista in this last class is, is uh, I think he might have been a preferred walk-on or late, you know, maybe he did get a scholarship. Apparently a beast. And like having those relationships and winning those local battles, I, that's a difference because now guys that are all local are not just being like, well, is anyone else doing this? It's going to be like, as you saw with the last two commitments, they're like, oh, yeah, like staying home is legit. I can be the hometown hero. Hometown hero sounds dope. I'm going to sign. Like all of a sudden it becomes a movement and Cal becomes that school. And it's a little bit of what SC was able to do in L.A. Um, and a little bit of what we were able to do in, in sort of some of the glory days was these guys had a lot of pride about staying local rather than going abroad. It is classic Cal that this is happening now with coronavirus <laughs> at our peak recruiting in the last 10 years and we're getting hit with like this devastating virus. So that's very classic Cal. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it comes in waves and we've talked about this, right? Like, you know, when when we were in college, like we were the we were like the big big program around the Bay Area. No one really talked about Stanford. Um and then, like, towards the end of our college years, Stanford, you know, started to, to go back up on the rise. And, you know, a guy named Andrew Luck came around and did his thing. And, you know, the rest is history. But 
now Stanford kind of feels like they're on the decline, right? And we're back on that upswing. So it's weird how it comes in, you know, it just, it just comes in waves. And I think we're starting to, to slowly see what the, what like, I think we just got above like the equilibrium point. Does that, if that makes sense? Like if it's on a pendulum or like on a wave, like on a roller coaster, like we've just gotten above like sea level or that equilibrium point and we're like starting to see that trajectory positive. Like up till now we were rebuilding up from the negative points and had just come out of, you know, the red. So we're at this point now where we're starting to see this and you know, I've said this a bunch of times, like, you know, people have asked, like, why hasn't our recruiting gotten better? It's twofold, right? Like, either you you have outstanding recruiting coaches, which, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that we have, like, you know, home run hitting recruiting coaches, but we have guys that develop, and we have guys that are real, like, people, right? They're not, like, trying to sell you this facade. They're not salesmen. Like, they're they're really trying to build this like personable, like this is a coach that cares about you. And you know, if you're here for four years, like we'll care for you all four years. Like they're trying to build those people relationships. And I feel like they've built that now. And on top of that, we've started winning, which is the big aspect I've, which I've talked about a bunch of times. Like if you want really good recruits to come in and you want to get back on the radar of some of these big recruits, you got to start winning games. And clearly we did that this last season and it's turned a lot of heads in the fashions that we've won it. Um, so that coupled with, you know, Musgrave's name value and, you know, just what he's done in the NFL. Like NFL intrigue is so big for high school kids. <laughs> like, and you've, you're starting to see that like offensively. And we'll dive into it. Like four-star Maven Anderson, 6'1", 175 pounds, wide receiver from Mission Viejo, California. Jermaine Terry, 6'4", 235-pound tight end from Richmond, California. Achille Calhoun Jr., 6'4", 245-pound weak side defensive end from Brentwood, California. Like, those measurables, man, like, yeah. that's, that's insane. And, like, they're all four stars. Like, you look down the list at any of these guys and they're, and they're measurables, right? Uh, so let me, let me read you this, and you tell me if you're intrigued or not. Maven Anderson's pro comp, according to 247, is Devontae Adams. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's his pro comp on 247 Sports. You want to guess? You want to guess who uh, Jermaine Terry's pro comp is, according to 247? Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez? Sadly, no. It's actually David Njoku. Oh, who is who's out? Who's an outstanding player in his own right and super, super athletically gifted. Now let me temper that excitement with one quick thing. Okay. Who was Zach Klein's pro comp? Ooh. Let's see. What year was that? That was two thousand thousand something. 10, I don't 11. Yeah, 10, 11. I'm going to say I'm going to say his comp was like a Russell Wilson. I'll give you a clue. He was not in the NFL when he was the like the comp was no longer playing in the NFL. Doug Flutie. <laughs> yeah, closer. Chad Pennington. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Chad Pennington. Wow. And that is why none of these comps matter. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I mean, I mean, in the end, like I want Jermaine Terry to be Jermaine Terry. You know, like I don't want him to be David Njoku. Like go be yourself. It's it's interesting though. It's an interesting thing, and like it's just the type of guys that we're bringing in now, right? Like does not make you doesn't it make you salivate as a fan? Like imagining like a two tight end two tight end system, like in you know in twenty twenty one with. DJ Rogers and Jermaine Terry like lined up at tight end, <laughs> like on each side, or like even even power like two guys set up offset to the right or to the left. Like what do you what do you do with that type of like size and athleticism and ability to go after the ball? <laughs> We're just gonna be throwing yeah. to the tight end left and right. 
Yeah, and I think my favorite of all the, I mean, all that you mentioned is everyone you mentioned is great, but I think like Achille being a, someone that could help us out with pass rush is just like that was awesome. I'm just so excited. I've like long wondered why we weren't crushing it with defensive recruit recruiting, given how you know much fun our defense has been. And now, by the way, like let me let me. Uh, just walk one thing back really fast because we say this all the time that like Cal's recruiting hasn't been better and it's like it has been better it it, it has been the only reason it, it doesn't look better is because of that superficial star thing but when we think about the offers that are out there and the measurables and the players that we're getting and then as you said the players in regards to like their aptitude and academic ability they're all they, these classes have been better so, there's that. But anyways, I've always wondered why we're not getting these four or five star guys on the D-line. I'm excited to see someone that or can come in and influence the pass rush, whether it's D-E-O-L-B or someone that's going to be strictly playing you know, on the D-line. That's sort of what I would you know, want to see next is like these Ndamukong Sue type of players that can come in and just completely disrupt an offense. I think the cool thing, especially with Achille, like I don't know if you, I don't know if you've read the backstory, but like there were rumors and like it's also always been said that Jermaine and Achille wanted to play together, and when Jermaine um, committed, like a, there was like there were conversations between the two of them, um, and I think I think that played a big role, uh, and then of course the hashtag hometown hero thing I think played a big role, mm-hmm. but also I think the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is he has he has the size um, to play right away. And not only that, if he comes in after next season, the weak side or the defensive end spots are open. Like, Ziande's gone. Uh, Luke Beckett's gone. Like, that leaves positions and snaps available for him to play right away. And I think playing at home, playing right away at the position that you're naturally gifted at, Dude, he's he's gonna he has a chance to be like a day one starter as a freshman, which is yeah. even crazier to think about. Yeah. Yep. That's, I mean, amazing. Yeah. Uh, these three guys, man. Four. We have four recruits, and three of them are four star guys. One like, and two of them have some ridiculous offer lists. Like, just go go look at Jermaine Terry's offer list. Like that's. It's just incredible that we beat out those types of schools and those types of recruiters at those schools. Absolutely, absolutely insane. And now we just got to back it up in 2020. Yep. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Talk about some spring football. Oh, yeah. I'm going to leave it to you. I'm going to leave it to you because I get to ask because the I'm the now. one that's been at spring football. You get to, you get to ask the questions. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at me. Look at me. I am I am the captain now. Yeah, I am the captain now. <laughs> I am the captain. All right. So I leave it to you. Favorite beat reporter that you get to report on at spring practice? No. <laughs> All right, let me ask. Uh, let's see. Give me first. Who's going to be the backup quarterback? Oof. See, okay, so here's the thing. This is this is with the caveat only four practices. Yeah. Okay. Of yes. With the Good. with the caveat of it only being four practices, um, on top of the fact that Devon was hurt for at least one of those practices. Okay. So, but from what I saw during those four, Spencer Brash was the one that was leading the twos. Ooh. And he actually looked more confident with this offense now than he did with Bo Baldwin's offense. Granted, that's also because he's probably, you know, put a year and actually played some games this year. Um, But he was throwing some incredible balls. Um, Decision-making, of course, was still, you know, underclassman decision-making. But, man, he definitely has some natural arm talent. And you clearly can see that when you're when you're playing in this type of West Coast offense, and you know being being able to just like focus in on like let's say a specific side and make like the one two reads and then hit the safety valve, like 
it's just it's just so easy for younger guys to pick up, in my opinion, than asking them to do multiple reads across the entire field. Um, and you're you're just making the game smaller for them. So he's definitely picked it up. Um, but man, Jaden Casey though, like the dude is like an absolute just baller. <laughs> like that's just the only way I could describe it. Uh, he's just he's just super good with the ball in his hands on rollouts on bootlegs like just I hate this comp but it's the only one I can keep going to is that Russell Wilson comp of just like being able to keep his eyes downfield while moving with his feet and like you know he's he's not the the fastest guy in the world um, but he just he he does those one two things that just keeps him elusive just enough uh, to keep the play open and. Man, he's got a rocket for an arm too. Like he mm. just he he just it reminds me of like Kaepernick when he when that story of Kaepernick and his wide receivers with the Niners of how they used to have two gloves on because he would throw the ball so hard. Like that's what I sometimes feel with Jaden Casey because when they were running like goal line plays, he would just he would just dart it into his tight ends, uh, just an absolute laser, and it sounded like it hurt. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> if you're trying to catch it with two hands, but fair, Cap, I mean, Cap he needs to diversify like how he throws. But yeah, I was gonna say, just Cap did that to a yeah. fault. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he learns yeah. not. To yeah. Do yeah. That. yeah, yeah, Kaepernick, Kaepernick, and uh, what's his name? Um, geez, why am I blanking on him? Uh, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott. When Dak was at Mississippi State, like. He had no touch on his passes, right? It was just, it was just throw it as hard as I can, as fast as I can to the receiver I need to throw it to. So I know that everyone's going to want me to ask about Musgrave and the offense. However, mm. I'm not going to do that. Ooh. I will do it next question. So we'll tease Ooh. it. It's coming. You gotta oh. wait for it. Curveball. Uh, but out of all of the early signee, early enrollees. Uh-huh. Who, who is the one that stood out the most? Trey Pastor. No question. Um, so he's been actually playing with that new star position that Wilcox has talked about, um, which is the hybrid outside linebacker, strong safety, um, which is, if people remember uh, Sua Cravens at USC, he was one of the dudes that did this. Uh, Troy Polamalu, of course, never got to play in the star position, but he pretty much played like that type of position. Um, and yeah, he's wow. Like I didn't realize like stature wise, like how, how, how a, like a bearing overbearing presence he had. The dude's tall, like he's built. Um, he just looks like the perfect, like, you know, over six foot, like strong safety type of body. And you're putting him in at this outside linebacker position, this hybrid outside linebacker position. And, I mean, he has the athletic ability to do it. It's just a matter of can he get the mental reps in and can he, you know, make sure his decision-making is on point. Um, I think the one thing that helps is you have a guy like Elijah Hicks quarterbacking as the other safety now who's been in this defense for four years. So you have that helping. But, I mean, the natural ability is just is just there. And, you know, he wasn't one of my guys, like, on my dark horse list. But after the, after the first two practices, he immediately shot up the board for me. Hmm. Very cool. And just, so your DBs, you're looking at Cam, who got hurt, but is supposed to return for fall. So maybe yep. meniscus tear. Then uh, you have Elijah at safety. Mm-hmm. What, who's going to be, you think, Passer is going to start over like a Tattersall or? Well, I mean, I don't think he'll start right away. I think he'll be one of the guys that plays that star position when they play those star, like any of the play calls that have the star position in it. Okay. I think you're starting to, I think you're starting to safeties. You're probably looking at Daniel Scott and uh, Elijah Hicks. It's Daniel Scott slash uh, Craig Woodson, in my opinion. And then you have your outside guys and Cam and Josh Drayden. Uh, and then uh, Chigozi fitting in there somewhere. Maybe you put maybe you put Drayden in at nickel and you put Chigozi outside. But, yeah, your cornerbacks and your safeties are kind of set. And I think Trey Pastor would be 
probably number one on the that star linebacker role. For sure. Okay. Um. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I forgot about I forgot about Drayden. We still have Drayden. And then yeah, Chigozi. <laughs> Poor Chigozi. Like Chigozi's so good. And he can't, it's crazy how much depth we filled up. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so yeah, let's talk about crazy. the question. You know, you know what the. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, I mean, <laughs> let me say one more thing. I think I think the cool thing that the staff has built up, especially on the defensive side, is is the ability to get guys to be patient with your playing time. Because like we've seen Chigozi do so well in spurts, and I'm I'm thinking if you're a kid in that in that room and you see like this opportunity, like you might get antsy because you want to play. And like you've tasted the field and you've tasted success that you know that you can be successful, like you might just feel the urge to like transfer to a place where they'll they'll grant you the the starting position. But on the defensive side, like we haven't seen that much attrition, right? Like guys have been patient and like working their way up into their playing time, um, and I clearly see that with Chigozi too. So, like, like credit credit the staff to be able to like manage like all of those. 18 year old like you know minds of like i can compete day one and i can play right away yeah i agree i feel like that would be hard to well i mean we'll see this year too as especially as you start bringing in higher level it's going to be interesting um, yeah because we saw definitely an exodus with stanford and all the players that that left oh, yeah. but before we get down that rabbit hole Let's talk about the offense. So what have you seen from the Musgrave offense that excites you? And what oh, maybe have you man. seen from the offense that might concern you uh, as you look towards 2020, fall 2020? Okay, can I start with the concerns? Yeah. Okay, my concerns is that we don't have spring football. Um, and what I mean by that is with a new offense like this, no matter no matter how much the guys say, like, there's not much different. Having a new coach on multiple at multiple positions across the offense, those coaches are going to want different things from you now. Like they're going to demand different things from you. Like the stuff that they're looking for to make this offense successful, the tendencies, the habits um, are all going to be different. And especially from the offensive coordinator's perspective, you're going to want certain positions to be able to do certain things great. And if you don't have the guys on the field to be able to do that and, you know, push them in the reps to correct and to adjust and to break different habits and to, to start new ones, that's going to that's gonna keep this offense from, like, hitting the ground running come fall. And you're just taking away, you know, six months of on-field, on like, hands-on learning um, and turning that into film room studies, and a lot of mental reps. And as much as that helps, like, you're just, you're just not in the moment uh, of doing it. And, you know, you've, you've probably done it too. Like, you've played tennis all those years. Like, as much as you watch tape or you, like, you know, get the mental reps in of, like, hitting the ball or hitting, hitting different type of spins coming at you, like, you don't really feel it until you're on the court and you get that muscle memory in. And that's going to suck if this continues and we don't get that spring training in. And that's where I see like a little bit of a detriment and a little bit of a handicap for us um, going into the 2020 season. Um, but flip side is, man, the, the diversity of play calls and the things that I'm seeing different positions do that I've never seen them do uh, is incredible. Like, I've asked this question a bunch of times when I've interviewed the guys. It's like Mike Zafel talked about he's he's like he's super excited because he's doing things they've never done before, right? He's like he's pulling as a center. When have you ever seen a center pull on a run play? Like and he's saying like, yeah, he's never done that before and it's super fun. And then Chase I asked Chase that same question, and he's like, Yeah, he's an athletic guy can do it. But it's also weird like when your center is like you know, 12 yards downfield, like pushing into safety and blocking up field. And he said that's super weird to see from the backside. Uh, but he's like, he's he's super excited for him. And so it's, it's just little things like that. And like the diversity of play calls and like what they're doing, like 
different concepts like mesh. Oh, I'm such a big fan of mesh, especially in Madden. Oh my God, it works to a charm. Like just if you want to gain some easy yards, they're doing that with like from the slot receiver position, the tight end position, like offsetting multiple tight ends. Um, it looks like a power run, but then it ends up just being a play action pass with three tight ends in the game. Like you got 13 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel. And you're running like a whole myriad of different things. It's it's super interesting, and it's it's like very very heavy West Coast NFL offense. And the crazier part is, it feels very much like what the Rams offense was running when they made that Super Bowl run. Um, that's the that's the comp I have in my mind. But it's so weird also because he's never run that type of offense before. You look at all the stops he's made before with. The Vikings and Adrian Peterson, the Chip Kelly offense in Philadelphia, whatever John Gruden and uh, Jack Del Rio ran in uh, in Oakland. Um, it's just it's just so drastically different from all of those uh, that I honestly don't know like what his play calling style is going to be come come game day. But at least from the play sets that they're developing, it's there's so many things that we're going to be able to do. Um, that, like, I don't see how our first opponent, which is UNLV, is going to be able to prep for this adequately. Who is the player that thrives the most in this offense? Chris Brown Jr. No question. Because you're get, you're giving a running back a fullback in front of him and multiple tight ends to block with pulling guards and centers and tackles. Like, you're, you're creating running lanes for him. And all the running backs especially have, have thrived, especially during run plays. But, like, of course, Chris Brown Jr., who is going to be our lead back, especially has, has shined through this. And so I know we're in March, and we don't even know if football is going to come back necessarily or when it will. But do you see this as being the year where we get back to the 1,000-yard rusher? Oh, yeah. No question. Um, I think... At least from the first four games, they were focusing in on the run plays and getting the timing of like the blocks and the, how to explode the holes and everything properly. But they also ran a lot of play action. So that's what I mean when I, when I feel like it's going to look a lot like the, the Rams offense, um, where it's very, very run heavy, and then we're going to hit them with the play action and they're going to fall for it, and we're just going to have just open space to work with. Um, and yeah, if Chris Brown can hit the ground running this, this season, like he did last year, he's, yeah, he's going to eclipse a thousand yards easy. So we have a new head coach or no, sorry, new coach at the running back position in oh, Aristotle. Coach. No, no, no. In <laughs> Aristotle Thompson. Um, yeah. what have, what were the early sort of, you know, feedback or impressions from him? I, the first thing I'll say is he's probably the guy that's taken up the mantle from GA as probably the one of the most personable guys on the on the staff. Um, he, I mentioned this on the podcast with Nick, but like when we first got to talk to him and we were asking him about Zach Angelillo, he said, I think I can't remember what he said verbatim, but basically he was saying like, yeah, you know, like we've been trying to convince Zach to come to the light side. He's been in the dark for too long. Uh, but he's come to the light, and he finally sees the offense and and the light. And you know, like we're trying to we're trying to wash away all the darkness from him. Um, like I, I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, he's just a, he's just really like he's a talkative dude. Um, he's very hands on when he's coaching. I think the coolest part about his coaching was there was one point where they were like running, where they're running drills of like how to run like a button hook, like you run and just run the route. You step a turn, and he throws a tennis ball at the guys. Um, and, like, that's what you have to catch. doesn't throw a football. And it's very much like if you, catch a, if you can catch a tennis ball, you can catch a football. Uh, if you can so. dodge a <laughs> exactly. wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And then of, uh, I guess this is my last question. Um, you know, of the new coaches that we've added to the staff, 
is there one that you're most excited about or maybe let's say instead of you like one that you think the players are most excited about i mean i think it has to be musgrave um i think the offensive guys definitely are going to love this because you're you're putting in a guy with years and years and years of nfl experience right that you know a lot of these guys i mean across the NCAA, like their dream of of after college is not to end their career, but to play in the NFL, right? And defensively, we have a bunch of guys that can teach that to them. We have like we have guys that played actually in the NFL and they can direct them. But we didn't have that on the offensive side of the ball. And now you have an offensive coordinator who's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for so long that he can start teaching these guys, like, this is what they're looking out for. And I think immediately your ear just leans to them, right? Like, you're, you, you're immediately trusting of the words that are saying because of the years and the pedigree that he has and the, the, just the, the understanding of the game that he has and the respect that he has in the NFL. Um, and I think that's going to be absolutely cool to see. Like, the quarterbacks, like... We all remember that Derek Carr, you know, year that Musgrave had with the Raiders. He was a Pro Bowl quarterback that year, and arguably the Raiders' best year in the last, I'd say, 10 years. So that type of thing, like, is going to be intriguing for the, the quarterbacks, right? And then you look at, like, the tight ends and the tight ends he's had um, and how much they've thrived. Like, yeah, you'd be exciting because he's going he's gonna to lean on the tight ends a lot in the passing game and in the run game. Like, they're... They're going to be pretty, pretty uh, big parts of this offense, and they're going to help this offense click. And we, we're, we don't even have DJ Rogers on campus yet. I think one of the big things, too, is like maybe just giving some confidence back to that side of the ball mm-hmm. and really like giving them, you know, because the defense has been the main focus, probably won't you know, be getting as much attention this fall. It'll be on the offense. And so it'll be nice to kind of give them some confidence going into this season. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Well, great interview, Rob. Appreciate your time here on the Golden Bearcast. I think this is a perfect time to transition into some fan questions. What do you think, Andy? Sounds great. All right. So we got one from uh, Cal Cangila on Twitter. He says, what's the most exciting thing about the offense? I think we've talked about it quite a bit, uh, but just to reiterate, it's just the plate, like the play sets and the personnel, like the differing things that, excuse me, that they're asking people to do. It's just, it's just a breath of fresh air from just like a, a, a mundane spread offense, really. Um, that next one from our friend Jojo, Jojo Sungy on Twitter. Your best COVID-19 pantry mashup recipe for dinner. Example, peanut butter and cheese and spicy ramen. You got one, Andy? Peanut butter and cheese and spicy ramen all in one thing? That's what it sounds like. Wow. Yeah. Do you have one? Do you have a, do you have a pantry mashup that you've been, you're, you've been using or is it a secret recipe first? No. I don't have anything. What? Pantry mashup? I mean, yeah. I could just cop out and say I could make a, a nice chili. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, can't go wrong with a chili. You can't I go think wrong with a chili. My favorite thing to make, courtesy of learning this from you, Rob, is, especially with the throat stuff, is this bone broth soup. So mm-hmm. I just have these bones chilling in my freezer at all times. And so anytime I sort of get any, I just feel like I need a soup, I'll just make it and make it with a, a water-based broth. And it's really clean, really delicious, and completely helps kind of rejuvenate uh, my throat. So, but that doesn't count. That's cop out again. So, I don't know. I have peanut butter and wheat thins. Like, that's my go-to. <laughs> peanut butter and wheat thins? Yeah, man. That's like yeah. my go-to late night snack. All okay, this... here... Yeah, go ahead. All right, I got one. I got one that a lot of people might, might hate and disdain. But if you haven't tried it, you can't say anything. Cheez-Its and tangerines. Weirdly, weirdly delicious. I don't know why. Yeah, color match. Orange and orange. Orange and orange. Colors match. 
and something about the flavors of like the the tanginess and the sweetness of it with like the the like the the cheese and the the saltiness of the cheese it's like something about it just works properly like i make myself like a little sandwich like two cheeses and like a piece of tangerine in the middle <laughs> absolutely delicious i'm not i'm telling you if you if you have it on hand i guarantee you should try it Guaranteed. That visual is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, though. All right. Uh, one more from uh, Twitter before we move on to our Discord questions. Uh, it's uh, Peter, our dear friend Peter. Uh, if 2019 Cal football offense and defense were cocktails, what would they be? Mm. My favorite cocktail is a, is a Mai Tai. So let's say that the offense is going to be a Mai Tai. And the then, 2019, the 2019 Cal football offense was a mai tai oh, for you. Oh, sorry, I thought we were going 2020. We're going 2019. Well, well, he's my saying bad. 2019, but we can do both. We can do 2019 and 2020. So let's do 2019 first. All right, 2019 cocktail for the offense is like a whiskey sour. I don't really like them, but I guess if you're going to give, if you have really limited options. Maybe I try. <laughs> <laughs> the defense is like, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> the defense was the Mai Tai. <laughs> like, I really just can't go wrong type of cocktail. It's true. 2020, it's true. scrap 2020. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, we got one more question from Peter. It's, uh, Wait, who's what gonna... are yours? Oh, you want me to do mine? All yeah. Right. 20, 2019 Cal football offense. Um, I'm not going to say it's a cocktail. I'm just going to say it's a shot of soju. Just give it to me straight, man. Like, I just, I just, I just need it to work. <laughs> like, that's all I need it to do. I just, I just need it to do what it needs to do. And a shot of soju will do just that. Um... The defense, the 2019 defense, I'm going to say it's an old-fashioned. And I think the name speaks for itself. It's just an old-fashioned defense. Tackles hard, doesn't doesn't let the big play happen too often. Just classic, classic, hard-nosed defense. Good ones. Yeah. Well, Peter's got one more for us. He said, who's going to make a Garbers-level leap in 2020? So someone who has been underperforming and explodes into more than just relevance. Yeah, this got to go receiver, right? So I don't know. Like you could go Trevin Clark. Like he was an underperformer, but like from where he was last year to so exploding onto the scene, that's what I would expect. Um, one of the receivers. Yeah, I'd have to say it's probably one of the receivers too, or maybe one of the tight ends. I think it's one of the receivers. I think it's. I'm since you said receivers, I'll say one of the tight ends, um, just because we heard from Bo Baldwin that we were going to constantly use the tight ends. We'll use the tight ends. We'll use the tight ends, but we never got around to it. Um, but I feel like we're going to use the tight ends quite often with this new offense. So that's that. Um, thanks for the questions. Let me dive into the the Discord for a second here. Uh, Spec Slayer, I actually really like this question, and I think this is this is going to be like a good one to end on. But it'll be a little bit more of a discussion. So he says, "I'd like to hear about what craziness happened during your guys' time at Cal. I've already had a big game postponed due to smoke, PG and E outages, and now coronavirus." So during our times at Cal. So, I mean, I can start. You got one? You got one. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, my big my one is, is the tree sitters, sitters my freshman right. year. Yeah. That's just, it was like, it was such a culture shock, and it was just mind-blowing that people were living in trees, and they were like, they had like fences around them, so people couldn't get in. They're like throwing feces um, at you and stuff. Yeah, throwing feces at you. Like, people would come and like throw food over the over the fence, so like they had food to eat. 
Um, maybe I made up the first thing. (laughs) I thought that was true, but maybe it was a lie. (laughs) No, I've heard no, I've heard stories that people they got thrown feces at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's an urban myth. I think it's act. It actually happened. I just remember Uh, when I was working with the team. Yeah, they told me that Deshaun used to be lifting weights. This was before the new performance center, obviously, and. He'll be like lifting weights and yelling at them. <laughs> They'd be yelling at <laughs> each other. <laughs> oh boy! I uh, what what other what other ones? I think well, the well for me also one of the coolest things like during that especially that 07 season, like being in the student section was I just remember how packed it was. And you had security guards that, like, didn't let you into the student section at all unless you had that wristband. Like, they were super strict on it. Um, and, like, and we couldn't even secure student tickets because they would sell out. Like, they sold out my fr- our freshman year within, like, minutes or hours of it being available online. So we would buy extra tickets and, like, sneak into the student section. I paid 100 bucks to get into the SC game. Um <laughs> So, yeah, and then I think the coolest part about the student section that and the like the the craziness was remember the body surfing, like if you were just at the if you were just at the bottom, like you would just be if you were in the first two rows, like you would literally just be lifted up into the air, and you would body surf with your back to the people, and they would they would shift you all the way to the top of the section, and you would get off, and you'd have to walk all the way back down. To yeah. your seat, and they would do that like every time we scored. And you, if you saw from the other angle or the TV angle, you would just see like three or four bodies just being, just being like shifted all the way up to the top. Um, those are, I mean, those are some just great memories. Yeah, I did that once. It was, it was not fun, but <laughs> yeah, there were hands uh, in places you didn't want it to be. Yeah, once is all you need to do for that. But that was, I mean, it's crazy to think about how different that was. I remember that. I mean. You would just have a, a, no way of getting in the student section. Um, and it was like an event when tickets would go on sale. Everybody knew about it. Yeah. But the, uh, I think the big thing that kind of happened in our time was tuition raised a lot. So mm-hmm. when we started freshman year, it was pretty affordable, mm-hmm. arguably too good of a deal. And by the time we ended, I think it had maybe doubled or more than, if not more than that. And uh, so there were a lot of, uh, strikes, a lot of protests, um, a protest that I participated in and uh, a lot of my professors participated in um, because of these tuition hikes. And then we would have, you know, this, uh, I think this still happens, but like constant like fire alarms being pulled or protests in actual classes. So classes would get canceled or rescheduled because of that stuff. Um, so that was pretty consistent but that's you know part of the berkeley lore like that is why you go to cal i think that's the beauty of it is it's one of those amazing places where uh you can participate in those type of things i would say what we're experiencing now is pretty unprecedented when it's being compared against something that happened in 1918 or whatever it is 1917 i mean the spanish blue like that's so i'm sorry for this being your experience so far because I think it's harder than the one that we went through and vastly different. Yeah. I mean, what we went through is just like nice memories, right. Of like things that happened or like, you know, some, some difficulties, uh, you know, of like walking to class or whatnot. But this is like on a whole nother level of, like not some kids like not being able to walk graduation right like this is yep. school has ended like you know graduations are pseudo going to be virtual which doesn't give you that that joy of walking across the stage and shaking that hand and getting that picture taken and you know you have a lot of I mean you and I both probably have a lot of memories from our senior year um, and you're you pretty much especially second semester senior year uh, and you just ripped that away from a lot of people. Um, and not because, you know, they wanted to for fun, but it was a, it was a necessity at that point. So it just sucks, uh, that like, that's the, 
that's the that's the period on your time at Cal, is is this, and how this, like you know, stopped everything. So, we're uh, we're sorry for you. We're uh, if you're a Cal senior and you're listening to this, um, we're uh, I don't know what what words I could say, um, that would make you guys feel better, but you know, hopefully. Hopefully knowing that this is going to be a unique experience for you and your your class alone versus the rest of us, I think you got to take some solace in that. Yeah, and we're proud nonetheless. You have a mm-hmm. great community, people around you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a degree that will last, last you a lifetime. <laughs> the, it's not the five-year decision. You made the 50-year decision. Yep. But yeah, I think yeah, that's, I that's that's pretty much, pretty much it. it. Um, you got you, you have anything else to end on, Andy? No, that's great. No, yeah. So that wraps it up for us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at rob eleven hwang. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. You can find all our stuff on Twitter at uh, Golden Bearcast. You can also tweet at us or look at all the links that are on that Twitter handle for our Facebook page or. Our Instagram, our Discord, uh, our soon-to-be live studio for uh, on Twitch. Uh, we wanted to do that starting this month, but you know circumstances. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can also find all our written stuff on WriteForCalifornia.com. If you haven't signed up, uh, please join. That is uh, where all of us from California Golden Blogs is moving on to. So if you haven't heard. We're leaving. <laughs> We're starting our own thing. <laughs> we left. It's, it's over. It's over. We've left. And so, yeah, that's it. Until next time, go Bears. Go Bears. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.